we're talking about telemarketers, the NFL Week 1 coverage, and 9-11 documentaries. And now your host, he's a little bit late, but he's always here. It's Mike Indeglio. What's up, team? Welcome to KNM Geekly. Just a sneak peek at Two Geeks. Letting you know some of the stuff that got them through their week and starting this week off strong by being late. We're going to talk a little bit about that later in the show, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, I am here. It is Monday. It is September 11th. Keith and I would like to start the show with just a quick respect and uh, our, our uh, I don't even know, commemoration. I was going to say love and prayers and res- uh, all of the stuff. Just general acknowledgement, f- acknowledgement maybe? general feels yeah. and uh Celebration of the heroism that we saw that uh, on that day, and and just uh, all of the positive feelings and respect and reverence to those who lost their lives uh, to silliness and evil. So uh, yeah, and it's it, it is it is one of those things I texted you last night. We were talking about it. It's just, it's crazy now that it has been longer, at least in terms of my life. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. it is now more than half of my life after 9-11 than before, which is staggering to think about. Yeah, well, 2001, my father passed away, 9-11, and then I moved to New York City. So it was like a, just, it is a, there is a stamp in the ground, for many people, uh, you know, but this is our podcast, of life before then and life Mm -hmm. after then. It's very distinct. Uh, Yeah, well, I mean, for, for us, because it's, you know, roughly halfway through our lives, but also... You know, right in that era when we both moved to the city, mm-hmm. so we were we literally we've, both we've went done long term on on the that yeah. day in land eleven before, so I don't think that's what we're going to do today. But uh, also, just it's not. I don't really want to. That's not really what I want to talk about. So we're going to talk about some other stuff, and then uh, I'm going to point out some 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 documentaries and things you might want to check out. First thing I want to highly recommend: have, if you've never been to the nine eleven memorial in New York City, if you go well, to New York, not, a lot of people actually. You know, when all the museums and, and, and fun, great tourist stuff you can do in New York City, there's act, they actually built may, maybe one of the best, if not the best, museum in New York City is the 9-11 Memorial. It's way down in Battery Park. Uh, there are two really portions to it. There's the physical memorial, which is the reflection pools, as they're called, which is basically in the footprints of the two towers that came down. They built these really beautiful reverse fountains so it's water flowing over the edge into the footprints with all of the names of the victims and it's a little park and it's it's it gives you the vibe first things first it's beautiful and reflective but there are a lot of people there who it's just one of those collective shared grief things and then you move into the actual museum which you need a ticket i don't know if it's a if it's ticketed paid for how how they work it anymore for for many years it was it was a donation based situation but it might have changed by now and new york a lot of uh museums are free on sundays so you can check it out i don't have any details on that but it is an absolutely mammoth museum that feels both epic in scale and also very intimate and beautiful and it's down in the Battery, which is also where the Holocaust Museum is and some other really kind of reflective mm. museums. And listen, my, what, um, Jen and I talked about this last night. It's hard to watch and to re-experience a lot of those feelings or to even butt up against them. I understand that. But that doesn't mean that it's not a worthwhile exercise for yourself and for those who 
want to be remembered and people who need us to remember it, to acknowledge that. And I'll talk more about that when some of the things I've been watching. So anyway, I highly recommend that museum and whatnot. So I haven't, I haven't, I haven't been to ground zero since it was ground zero. Yeah, I can understand that. I think that both logistically, it's not just a place we go very often, uh, (laughs) just in our line of work and stuff. And also I think there are probably some emotional checks and balances that are latent that live down there. And I, and I, I think, you know, I, I was not, in the city when it happened i was i was in new york but not in the in the city but um, you know obviously we both moved there quickly after i think i had like emotional blocks about it all for years where i it, i just sort of like wow i saw that i acknowledge that that's terrible but didn't really feel it mm. and i feel like i feel it more now than i did then because i'm like i'm just more avail- available to it which is why i have a hard time Going to the museum and watching the documentaries and all that kind of stuff. Today. Yeah, I, I was, I had moved there just after. And so it was, and it was funny, I was on my way to New York that day. And my train on the New Jersey Transit that you take all the time just stopped. And I just, st- we stood there looking out the window at smoke and this guy and literally had, it wasn't right. like cell phone days where you just like Googled it. Right. Um, anyway, not not the point, but it was so fresh afterwards. And for the years I was in school, the first couple of years I was there is that I made often probably to the detriment of my health, pilgrimages downtown. And, mm. <clears throat> you know, it's just a smell that you'll never be able to describe, like rubber, chemicals, fire, and death, basically all wrapped into a smell. And so I went down there very often. And so, and, and there was a feeling in the city. And if you were even remotely tangentially connected to New York or had moved there or made it your home at that point, whether you were there on the day or not, sort of was, it was inconsequential. It was, it's, it was about a being part of something, which yeah, really ingratiated I mean, just, me to the city early. I, you know, I, I, we should move on. Yeah, because, sorry. Because we, 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 we have we, talked about this long form. Uh, if you're curious, uh, there's an, uh, an we talk about on the Out of Practice podcast mm-hmm. um, where I don't remember which episode it is, yeah, but it's could. it's whenever it's whenever uh, the practice aired the most recent episode to nine eleven because we do sort of a, a, a time capsule there. Um, but yeah, because I moved almost to the day exactly one year after oh, yeah and and just like riding the subway on the first anniversary was just like whoa yeah i, I, I moved on yeah. my school school began on october 1st um mm, yeah. and so i must have moved the last week of september Can you imagine my parent my, my i guess my mom at that point being like okay bye <laughs> <laughs> I I can imagine her doing that. Yes. Yeah. As a matter of fact. <laughs> so anyway, um, I guess let me start there then. Uh, so if you want to spend some time, the interestingly, usually it was for years after the fact, maybe a decade on. Every year it was like, who can get out the more the most the newest nine eleven documentary? Right? Is it right, History Channel? Is it who's this got or that? whatever? And the last yeah. like new new one I had seen, which kind of made me realize it was sort of over the one one the poor one portion was over was tmz released oh, a video recently or a, a, a full documentary recently called the fifth plane or something like that and i was like okay i oh, guess God. tmz it's over but what i watched last night uh, as sort of my yearly pilgrimage of being in it was two things that you can easily s- seek out and i highly recommend i'm just going to list them and leave it first Brand new. It aired last night after football. Is 60 Minutes. Did a 45-minute sort of their piece on the FDNY. 
Uh, mm. They did uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes on some of the events of that day, some of the heroism of some of the, the chiefs, some of the heroism, all of the heroism of some of the firefighters who made decisions when they went up, came down, the first tower fell, and then decided, I'm still going to go into the second tower and go try to save people. Think about that. Just like as a human being, contemplate in your life the hardest decision you've ever had to make. And then and then ask yourself if you like were tasked to die, would you make those decisions? I'd like to think I would, but I don't know. Okay. And then what I thought was really beautiful was, well, one quote I'll mention from one of the, the chiefs who said, I forget, the interviewer asked him point blank. It was a really well done interview. He said, up that day, on your command, you had to tell hundreds of firefighters to go potentially to their death. How many said no or asked for a different assignment? And mm. even though you knew what answer was coming, it's still impactful to hear. And he said, no, yeah. no one, no one de- denied their orders. Um, and then they spend the the second part, which is really, really gets me choked up in thinking about it, was they did a whole piece, a whole story on. And this is how old we are now, Keith. Kids who were toddlers when their parents died in the fires Mm. who then have now spent their lives becoming firefighters in new york and protecting people in new york to take on the legacy of their parents Uh, and uh, some of them in this very same firehouse as their dads worked who walk into work every day and see like memorials of their father on the wall that's uh it's so it's 60 minutes it aired last night you can catch it on your dvr or I'm, i'm pretty positive it's on youtube at this point uh, so that's one. And then the other one, which I find to be the definitive 9-11 documentary currently existing. I think it's currently on, you can find it on Netflix, Hulu, and Disney+. Plus. It's called 9-11 One Day in America. And it uses documentary footage of these two brothers who were shooting documentary of that day, as well as a ton of first-person, like, they just compiled all of the cell phone video, the this video, the that video, compile it all together into a timeline it is both oh, a documentary and yeah. also sort of a living document of the experience. Yeah, it was stunning. Yeah, I remember it is an achievement in filmmaking. So that is 9-11 One Day in America. So those are my two recommends for the year. Uh, Keith, let's bounce to your first yeah. thing. And uh, I, I will quickly say, uh, speaking up for those of us who will not be watching any of that, because... Totally awesome. Fine, uh, fine too. I, I, I don't need any help remembering, yeah. and I don't want to dramatize myself, but I'm glad that it's available, and I'm glad that I have I have seen it. Uh, but I... I oof. Yeah, I I'll totally make, get I'll, it. I'll make a different type of pilgrimage, which I'm sure many people will. Yeah, totally get it. Uh, okay, so that brings us to... I believe we were going to talk about yes this so uh nope just kidding topic two oh, okay that was uh things are happening topic two yes so i just wanted to and i understand that this audience is probably not uh overlapping as much with our football fandom yeah. as our other fandoms okay. but uh, i'll try to talk about it in the nerdiest possible way this was week one of the nfl season which to me uh is my personal christmas the first opening day of football where all things have hope and joy and uh, we get all of our football back after the long winter without it. Um, as a Giants fan, the, the Christmas ended early, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about um, what's going on from a technical side broadcasting, which is what I care about, and give you a little tip uh, on how, uh, if you don't want to shell out 400 bucks for NFL signing a ticket, I got a way you can do it cheaper. 
Um, so uh, without going on uh, on sketchy websites. So um, uh, first off, a um, couple of improvements in the broadcasting this year. Um, both CBS and NBC have gone to a full 1080p, um, which is great because we've been suffering with 720p or yeah. 1080i, um, which is which is very pixel bus watching football. They've been at 60 frames for a while now, which has been great. Um, I think makes more of a difference than anything else being at 60 frames per second. It's 30 frames per second because you don't have the stutter ball. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, NBC is doing some version of an HDR going on as well on Peacock, at least. It's terrible. Um, so the, the, the image looks better than it has in a yet. That um, is true, yeah. Fox still struggle bussing at 720. It's at 60, which is fine, but they're still giving us a 720 feed. And I understand that the, um, you know, bumping it up to 4K causes a lot of technical and price logistical issues. But I feel like, Fox, you can get us to 1080 now, at least. Come on. Well, they do college football. They yeah. do college football in an, uh, in a, in an upscale 1080p. Well, it's it's still upscale. There is no f- pure 4K feeds coming, but you're that's fine. Same difference. That's, yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, honestly, with my old eyes, uh, a good 1080p is all I need. <laughs> like 4K doesn't make HDR is a little dark for me, a little dull. I want my just like good 1080p with all the colors, you know, up like a candy store. Um, anyway, so I was happy to see those those uh, those changes. Obviously, there's always little broadcast changes to, um, you know, people coming in and out of the studio. Looks like J.J. Watt is now on the CBS pregame show, yeah. which is which is great. But that has my buddy Phil Sims on it, so that's all I care about. Um, and I believe this is the 30th anniversary of the Fox getting the uh, the broadcast, um, which started in uh, 1994, which I remember distinctly as a child. Uh, because my New York football Giants games were, of course, always on CBS, who had the NFC package, then lost it. Fox took it over. Okay, fine, sure, whatever. Except for, at that point in Vermont, there was no Fox affiliate. Mm. Period. There was no Fox affiliate uh, over the air. So our local CBS station purchased the Fox NFL coverage and showed it on CBS. Great. No problem, right? All right, so they're going to show the Giants games that way, except for the only exception in their contract was uh, CBS is like, all right, fine, whatever. We don't have a lot going on Sunday afternoons, but 60 Minutes starts at 7. I don't care if the game is still going on. It's the most exciting game in the fourth quarter of the football game. 60 Minutes starts at 7. So uh, several of my New York football Giants games were cut off right before, (laughs) right in the last few minutes of the fourth quarter drove me bananas um anyway fox has done other than their 720p (laughs) have been uh doing excellent coverage now uh that's not interesting you want to know what's interesting how all right so behind me i have five televisions and they are set up so that i can watch five simultaneous football games every sunday and the way i do that is not paying for the nfl sunday ticket package um because that's too much money you what you can do is by uh using a a vpn router a virtual private network which what that does is it makes your computer look like it's in a different location based on the router set up by your vpn company and i use express vpn um which i find to be excellent um 
it has has a lot of locations. Their customer service is terrific. I you, use you CyberGhost, so you can. There are tons, yeah. and they're always having deals. So they're always having deals. Like it's it's not it's not super cheap, right? But you but what you get for it is. Um, I can chat with them twenty four seven. I think I get sixty bucks there. for the year, man. It can be cheap. Yeah, I think I pay like one hundred and fifteen yeah. or whatever. But what I, what I also what you also need is a, a, a VPN router, which are not crazy expensive. They're like one hundred and twenty bucks or whatever. You can get a, so that your router ha- you launch your VPN software onto the router, which then gives you access to a, a dashboard where I can set up up to, I think, seven different locations all around the world and then assign each of my, I use Roku devices, right? So I've got five or six different little Roku boxes and I can individually assign each of these Roku boxes a location across America. And that allows me to be in whatever city of the game that I want to watch. Now, this does not work with YouTube TV, because yeah. the YouTube TV does not allow you to watch it uh, via UPN. That's also true of Hulu and, and many of the other streamers. However, uh, and look, this may not, they may shut this down at some point. So this will only exist for now. Um, the Fox Sports and Paramount Plus, which gives you Fox and CBS, which are the two you know, broadcasting ones that aren't doing national games, those apps are fooled by the VPN. So if, you, if I want to watch the Bears game in Chicago... I put that location, I put that um, uh, that Roku box in Chicago, then open up the Fox Sports application, which if you have a TV package, you pay for cable, right? It, you just log in and it shows you the local NFL game there. Same with Paramount Plus. You watch the local CBS in whatever city you're in. And as a result, yes, there is a there is an expense you know, ahead of time, right? You have to buy, you have to buy the router and you have to pay for the VPN service at whatever cost. But then that's, that's just, you know, that's it pales in comparison to what the NFL Sunday package is and uh, allows me to have my own sports bar here in my lonely basement. So I have some comments I'm, I'm uh-huh. just, just to offer another side of the coin. That's all fascinating. Uh-huh. And me personally, totally into it. I do it a different way. I, but same told. But at the end of the day, when you add up the various expenses, if you get a student discount, the student discount, which they don't, they don't limit, it's 300 bucks to get the Sunday package. So mm-hmm. you're saving 30% of the cost by all these trick- trickeries. Right? No, no I'm, uh, no, I'm saving 66% because the router you only have to buy once. That's fair. Okay. Fair, fair point. Uh, the, the, the other limiting factor of NFL Sunday ticket as well is, is all you don't get any of the evening games. You don't get the national games. So you're losing Thursdays, you're losing Sunday night. Uh, so you're not getting all the games. And you're in your local blackouts as well. So you're not and getting all the games. You have local blackouts and yeah. you have restrictions on how many you can stream simultaneously. Yeah. So, you know, just like we all have our different, I wouldn't yuck anybody's yum. Uh, in my older age, I've found actually, as you know, it's funny, Keith teases me all the time about baseball being boring and he's not wrong. I find games that aren't football games that aren't, I'm not rooting for a team personally. To be just be tedious, tedious humdrum. So for me, the solution to all of this is is now and has always been the NFL red zone, red zone, which is basically mm-hmm. they there are two main hosts who watch all the games and they just cut to whoever's about to score and like the exciting parts of the game and they cut out all the commercials and all the BS in between and then that I find to be so I just have to VPN myself 
an NFL Red Zone stream because I won't pay for that either. I mean, Red um, Zone's great. And I agree with you that games that I don't have a rooting interest in are not nearly as interesting, but that's where fantasy sports comes in. Yeah, I have to say, Keith, this is a different show to talk about. I've, I think I've come to the point in my life where I am, this might be my, my farewell to fantasy football this year. I just, you think? I just have no interest. I'm just not, in, it's not even motivating me to be interested in the games. Maybe it's just because the NFC sucked last night. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Football just disappointed me yesterday, and their Phillies lost. Sports sucked yesterday. But, is, but boy, this has really been an upper yeah. of the show so far. I do want a, a couple of technical elements, just because you brought them up, and it's a geek show. So, um, I I'm curious because yeah, if a lot of people upscaled to 1080p or have got the 1080p feeds coming on out, but my my understanding is YouTube finally, because they got the NFL Sunday ticket, up doubled their bit rate for. The way that they are, they changed their codec to VPN nine or VP nine from mm-hmm. AVC, something else they were using. I can't remember. Anyway, which the increased bit rate is the improvement in quality we're seeing. So if that's the case, then I hope more people buy your NFL tickets so that we can get those fringe mm-hmm. benefits. Because if I, I I have noticed images looking better on YouTube TV. Yeah, I will say. although interestingly, I don't watch it on YouTube. I, w- I watch it on the on the the apps themselves, well, that means the which, local feeds which are getting usually better too, have lower yeah. or or are are higher bit rate than uh, than streaming. And also, I don't love the all the different streaming networks getting their piece too. Like you got your Paramount Plus who's streaming some games. You've got uh, Amazon mm-hmm. Prime on Thursday nights. And look, we get some good quality on those. Even though Amazon still, I hope this season last all last season their five point one sync was out was off by like three seconds. So it was just murderous to watch. I hope they fix that this year. But mostly because, and this speaks to you specifically, Keith, and this goes for YouTube TV, Hulu Live TV, anything but the direct network like antenna feeds, have anywhere between a 30-second to 90-second delay between the live event and when you see it on the screen. So with these phones about us, God forbid it's an exciting game, you have to... Even you text Delay. me, like, are you live? I was like, well, that, not really. I'm still basically well, I, two minutes behind. I warn everybody. Yeah. I'm I'm behind, so, like, delay all texts. Yeah, uh, because it's Even just though I'm sucks. watching it live. Like, my phone well, will ping me, oh, home run by the whatever, Phillies. And I'm like, oh, well, two pitches to go. I guess I know now. So I've had to go in and tear off all those yeah, notifications. Yeah, well, and, and the stat tracker for fantasy used to be, like, two minutes behind. Now it's about 20 seconds ahead. Ugh. Oh boy! Crazy. Nerds. Anyway, nerds, nerds, nerds. Okay, nerds, so, nerds, nerds. So that's football. I'm glad things are getting better. I thought we'd be in the future by now. I should be able to watch it on my VR headset. Why can't I? All kinds of stuff like that. Why can't you, Mike? Why can't you? Uh, aside from the fact that my head is gigantic and it's never comfortable in a headset, but that's that's your head's the gigantic. Point. Yeah. Okay. So. Oh. Hey. Oh, we went away. <laughs> we sure did. Uh, I, I, I reorganized oh, oh, the screen. I, re- I reorganized the screen and, and I forgot how to do what I'm trying to do. Okay. Uh, I watched a show on HBO called Telemarketers. Uh, it is a three se- three part docuseries. Uh, it is uh, directed by Adam Lowe, Sam Lippman Stern, and Robert Aki Aubrey. Uh, no, Aubrey wrote the music. Excuse me. Executive produced by a bunch of people. Uh, the cinematography is by Christopher Messina, uh, Matt Palumbi, and Sam Littman Stern. I think I covered the things I wanted to cover. Uh, so here's the gist of it. We all have been called by telemarketers. We all kind of know that 
you'd, you'd think where where the it's easy for us in a certain universe, the young folk or just people who can could easily spot a telemarketer and hang up. Right? It's pretty easy. Even us. If you engage them with more than three words, you get caught into some weird manipulative hard sell that's hard to, like, escape. So you know right away you just got to hang up and block the call. But that's not who – it's. we are not who they are preying on. They are preying on no. uh, el- mostly elderly people close to death. I mean it is, it is crazy. What this documentary is – how it is different and why it is pretty interesting, I have to say, is it, it starts by highlighting these two guys. I'm going to be very spoiler-free here. These two guys who in the early 90s have a VHS recorder and are working at a call center in Jersey. And Keith, it is just full of the pits of humanity. Ex-cons, people nodding out, doing dope during the call centers. I mean, they would give anyone a job if you could. There was a guy, there was a guy literally juiced up with heroin, nodding off on heroin, making the calls and making sales, right? They highlight, they get it down to like an absolute perfect script. Don't deviate from the script. They're leaning on old ladies. And, you know, on some respects, it, it's it's just despicable. And in the other way, you're like, well, here are people who need a job. They're coming out of prison. They can't get, literally, America will not give them work, right? You can't get a job. So this is their only out, the outlet. So they're, so it's, it's, you quickly reframe it's not the drug addicts and the people working at these call centers that you have a problem with. It's the people who are using them, manipulating them into a churn system. Oh, yeah, the employee. To, yeah, it's not their fault. To basically fuck old people. But even worse is that 99% of the call centers are raising money for FOPs, Fraternal Order of Polices, the police union. They're really? actually being hired by the police unions under these contracts, right, that say explicitly – Dear Keith, police, police, Chief Keith, your FOP will get, your police department will get 5% of the gross marketing income we make for you, and we will keep 95% of it. But the out-of-pocket cost for you to raise money for your police department will be zero. So to Keith... What do they have to lose? It's free money, right? Yeah. And when eventually they get caught, because what they end up doing eventually is... See, there's a law, there's laws that say you can't, you have to disclose if the caller asks that you are po- uh, a fundraiser, you are uh, soliciting. But eventually what they do is they start naming their marketing companies such and such blah, 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 police, and just fake it as if they're the police. All this shit goes down. So yeah. that so that's part of the, that's part of this docuseries, it's like just exposing exactly what the scam is and it's despicable yeah but, but, what do you know they're scummy people yeah hard to imagine but where it is different and is kind of really interesting is as a character study because what happens is the dude who is just like videotaping all this nonsense because he's a teenager who's just like ridiculous ends up 20 years later having all of this footage of like basically active criming happening yeah so he goes out to find some of the dudes he used to work with, namely this guy you see in this kind of uh, icon here, who was the guy juiced up on heroin, basically ODing and making making sales. And he goes to visit him. They strike up a friendship and decide they're going to bring this thing down. They're going to make a documentary 
and bring down the system as like Michael Moore type. Uh, yeah. What do you call it? Uh, investigative journalists. What's funny is that it turns out they're both really bad at it. As you can, it's it's, it's a skill, man. <laughs> like he's not a good interviewer. He's got like this weird charisma. It's doesn't really know. They don't really know what the hell they're doing. And it then chronicles them over the next kind of 15 years chasing down senators, chasing down head of FOPs, doing trying to just like make a dent in this. In a pretty losing battle because uh believe it or not, Keith, the, the powers the, the rich powers that be and the police and the politics of all of this yeah. Yeah, is yeah. pretty insidious and set up hard to imagine. What? But that doesn't mean that people who were pretty much the bottom rung of what we think of as our society, our caste system, right? Try, trying to decide at any point they want to be good citizens and do something good. Whether or not or how they succeed is kind of inconsequential to the point that you always talk about your your some of your family members and their social justice crusades. And look, at the end of the day, what they achieved is, I think, secondary to the fact that they made a decision that as citizens, they were going to attempt to make a difference. And there's something to be commended about that. There's a heroism in that. And it doesn't matter if you're a heroin addict. There is another thing, potentially, that can you can do with yourself. And this is a pretty great example of that. And on that side of the spectrum, this succeeds. This documentary succeeds in many ways, docuseries, in many ways I didn't expect it to. And that is the joy of watching it. It's, and I'm assuming this is a documentary about their documentary, not their documentary. It is kind of both, because... It is like clear, other people it, came it in is, and it, shaped this. It does feel that way. It do, because the the, document, the documentarian, the cinematographer, uh, is more skilled than the interviewer right. guy. I, I really don't want to say too much. But it, it's not a shit show to watch. <laughs> HBO clearly did some magic on it. Yeah. Um, but it is fat and it's it's short. They're 45 minute, three 45 minute episodes. Uh, it definitely is worth a watch. It's telemarketers. It's on HBO. No, Keith. I'll definitely check that out. So that's kind of some stuff we've been we've been googling about. So lastly, you know, it's uh it's Monday. We got a week ahead of us. Crack your neck. We gotta keep it positive. I know we started on a dour note with 9-11 and such, but let's discuss our weekly red. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's funny because we, we were both discussing before we got on air uh, that we are judges for the Brooklyn Sci-Fi Film Festival. Yes. And so we are um, adjudicating all of the sci-fi films that went in for the festival. And so I've we're, we're both behind. Mm -hmm. No shock there. Uh, but I have been I've watched about half of these submissions um, and I'm my I'm doing categories, the, the comedy sci-fi short film and the student short film. Well, I'm doing comedy uh, which, sci-fi short too. Yeah, and and here's the thing: we we you know we we met with the folks running it ahead of time, and they were like, "Okay, look, these are students; these people have limited budgets, so like you know, take that into consideration as you're judging." Well, my weekly rad is being stunned mm -hmm. at how good these things are. Um, these are these are uh, you know independent you know student films, comedy films. There's people who are uh, either young trying to get into the business or people doing working at a sort of an amateur level or trying to break in somehow. Um, I can't believe how good a lot of these are and mm -hmm. the talent that is out there um, with filmmakers and, and writers and production, like the, the production levels. I, I it's, it is crazy. Um, 
I think about what I would have been capable to produce in college. Obviously, there's technical difficulties, but uh, differences. But um, I was, I have been, I'm delighted in how good these are. I'm, mm-hmm. I, it's, it's very, very cool. So um, there's so much. You know, we're we're here in the middle of a strike. We're all shut down, and and we should be. And I, we obviously we stand firmly behind the writers and actors in this. Um, but it's really exciting to see there's a lot of talent in the pipeline coming up and there's going to be some really interesting stuff that we're all going to get to enjoy once we're back up and running again. Um, so it, it, it has, it has, um, it's been really fun and encouraging to see emerging talent come together and do really good work. So, and people, people you've never heard of, which oh, is yeah. which is great in this world where we're seeing sort of the same thing from the same people over and over again. There's a lot of cool stuff in the pipeline. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it too. It's it's cool to see explosions of creativity is really what I kind of would call it because you know, the studio system and the way movies and and just commerce works, a lot of the, a lot of any risk taking or or pure creativity gets sucked right out of a project because it has to be market tested and fit into these little categories and such. Whereas here, it's cool. You get to read a little blurb, that re- you know, like the submission notes, and you get to read about the directors and the, and the, the creatives behind the project. And one I watched, I, I can't say and much. We're you know we can't we're not allowed to say much. But this one I watched was ba- is basically, and I don't know if you've seen this one yet. Um, it's totally ambient, so it's just it's a it's an animation, and it is telling a story with no words uh it's a J- japanese creators and it is just an it's like feels it's just like what it the mm-hmm. story being told is like just through the visuals what they want to express to you emotionally through the visuals which i thought was going to be like a little too weird but no man it really just kind of blew me away not just what they can do how they can animate this <laughs> as like I, I, there were there was one of them it might have been the same one i emailed the the executive directors and like uh did they do this or is like yeah how do i judge it because i'm are they capable of creating this and it's like yeah, and yeah I'm like, see what, they, right. what, compu- what people can do with computer graphics now is it's crazy uh and then the other point was the thing i kind of you might know, my, my imposter syndrome kicked in and i was like yeah like you should you be judging like should you be adjudicating these people <laughs> yeah well always. and it Quickly, after watching one film, I realized, oh, I'm not adjudicating anything. I'm just enjoying and deciding what to elevate to, yeah. you know, in, in any way. So so I'm having, it's, it's awesome. You're right. It is really rad. It is really rad. Uh, speaking of that imposter syndrome, Keith, mm-hmm. you know, we are often huge proponents on the show for mental health and for pursuing therapy. But I do understand, I do realize, and even though there is teletherapy and Keith has extolled the virtues of such Mm -hmm. you know it used to be when you would sort of uh remember when webmd first came out and people were webmding themselves to have cancer and it was kind of quickly realized you shouldn't internet diagnose yourself yeah well i've come to find that that isn't particularly as as problematic when it comes to mental health because i have to do a quick story so when i was in elementary school and secondary school, I clearly had some learning challenges that went undiagnosed and and basically went unnoticed by a lot of faculty and stuff. And I suffered through a lot of my adulthood thinking I was 
a certain way, lazy, unintelligent, challenged, <laughs> when in reality, I was challenged, but the difference between be, have, being learn, be, knowing you have a learning challenge and knowing what that learning challenge is, the difference is are strategies and tools to help, right? Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily yeah. medicine to make you better, which is how we, binary we used to think things work. So my point being, um, even though a lot of those learning challenges for myself have not been diagnosed by therapists or by psychologists because I spend my time in therapy doing other things. Talking about other things, but more more down the psychoanalyst psychoanalyst kind of route. I have found some YouTube channels simply by typing in the direct problems I have. Right, I'm having problems studying. I have problems uh, starting to read or starting a pro- like certain certain things. And oh, that's called executive dysfunction. Oh, that's called such and such. And then you find people like Dr. Tracy Marks, who has a YouTube channel that I'm going to put on the screen now because I watch a lot of her stuff and I want to uh, put, I am a subscriber. She talks a lot about uh, ADHD. She takes a lot about, talks a lot about executive dysfunction, which I don't know if these are my specific diagnoses, but a lot of the symptoms of these problems I suffer from as well, or I, I deal with those challenges. And I've taken some strategies from Dr. Marks uh, such as, so one of the issues I've had for my whole life, Keith, is that <clears throat> unless I'm 100,000% specifically interested in a specific topic, I find it really hard to read about it or to spend time, like if I have to study mm. something. It's it's not that I don't, I don't want to do this. It's, I, I just can't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't explain it. That's the problem, I guess, with a lot of it. But as Dr. Marks was like, hey, listen you'd be surprised that a lot of times it's like neural passageways and it might just be the fact that like, and I can't listen to music, right? Because I'm distracted. She's like, so find music. Cause you need to keep white note. You need to keep your brain occupied. Find music that is ambient, no lyrics, just like either spa music or maybe uh, movie soundtracks or something and play that and just give it a try. And guess what, Keith? I'm 40 years old. I've dealt with this. My, well, I'm 42 years old. My whole life I've dealt with this. Guess what? I really? found myself reading over the past like couple months, f- free and easy, able to study better. Like it just it it unlocked something, and I was like, "Oh, it's a strategy I just didn't know." It's that simple. I, I oh, I totally get it. Like it's it's with the way our brains work, especially these days. And these, you know, you just focusing on one symbol, one single thing, just really difficult. Yep, you know, and some other, and some other things. Uh, you know, I've, I've I've taken a lot of strategies. That's just a really simple example, and so. I guess my point is don't forget when it comes to mental health and whatnot, you've got more resources than just now I got to go to therapy, right? So there are a lot of people, uh, and I guess this goes for, yes, there's new, I, I, let's keep it on desk. YouTube, check it out. If nothing else, check out uh, Dr. Tracy Marks. Check out some other things. Just just start the process of getting yourself yeah. A little bit more figured out for yourself. That's all. And always think in terms of and as opposed to or. Yeah, all of these great. things, everything works better together in conjunction with other things. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right. Well, we did it. As always, we'd like to thank our patrons. You can always check us out on patreon.com slash K&M, where uh, I've been told i got to put more things on the audio feed. So I'm putting everything on the audio feed now. So get used to our dulcet tones. 
Uh, we'll be back next week, as always. <laughs> That's not the right button, Dude. but it's worth it. Uh, check out our other shows. We've got all kinds of Star Trek happening season four, Deep Space Nine, Toys, Strange New Show. We got two more, the musical episode this week. Lots of fun stuff. In the meantime, lots of cool things happening this week. Hope you have a great week. Don't let anybody yuck your yum. Keep on doing all the things you find fun until we talk to you next week. Keep on geeking on.